Thanks for tuning into our podcast. Today's message is from our new series, The Heart of a Giver. In this series, we'll be taking an in-depth look at three ways we can be generous givers through our time, talent, and treasure. So prepare your heart for a word from God. Well, hey, we've been in this series called The Heart of a Giver. I know Cody mentioned this to you when he, uh, when he stepped up here and shared some stuff with you. And this has been really an incredible uh, opportunity for us, I think, to connect with some people and to just uh, challenge you with uh, what we believe is important here. And so at City Lots, we think the heart of a giver is three things. It's our time, it's our talent, it's our treasure. And we're going to end this series today with what I really believe is going to be a challenging word. Also, um, one that would, I would say this, this is not just a, a sermon, this is a, a call to response. This is a, a call to action this morning. And so if you're watching online, this is true for you as well, going to call you to action as well. Um, the three things that we believe make a giver are your time, your talent, and treasure. And this morning, we want to end this with speaking about treasure. And, and, and Cody mentioned this in our, uh, in our welcome. And I'm fully aware that money is such a taboo thing at churches. And if you're, this is your first time here, you're like, dang, why did I come to this church today? I knew I should have went somewhere else. What I want you to see is this, is that I feel like a lot of times the church talk about what should be given here, but we do a really bad job of teaching you how to be good stewards of um, the rest. And so what I want you to see is just a, a picture of the totality of, of what it means to, to invest your heart into something and how your treasure will come with that. Jesus made a really remarkable statement in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. This is what he said. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, and you can even flip this around. You could say, for where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. And so when it comes to the heart of a giver, the idea behind this whole series is that when I give my heart, I will give my time, I will give my talent, I will give my treasure. And so let me make a practical, I think it'd be really easy for me to do this this morning. Uh, in our volunteer service, I told them this. I said, I've sat through messages where uh, pastors preach about money so hard that I felt like, okay, if I didn't give today, like they're not going to be able to pay their light bill. Like I've got to give today. I've also sat through some that were just really thought-provoking. And that's what I want to do is teach you today about that. But this has got to be the foundation for it, for where your treasure is. There your heart will be also, Jesus said. And so instead of just making, I, I want to show you an example of what this might look like, practically speaking, outside of the church. So this is a picture of my wife and my kids. Um, and uh, that's my boy Jude, uh, my little daughter Harper, and my wife Ariel. And my heart is, aside from following Jesus, aside from following Jesus on this earth, this is my greatest responsibility that I, that I have as a man. It's, it's greater responsibility than pastoring this church. It's greater responsibility than anything I could ever do is to love, protect, provide, equip, pray for these three right here. And so what I can tell you is this, is these three have my heart. They have my heart. My heart is fully invested into my bride and my kids, as it should be. But because of that, I'm also going to invest my treasure into it. For example, my wife's birthday was yesterday. I would not have been a good husband had I not invested some finances into taking her out to eat and a gift and things like that. I probably wouldn't be here this morning. But what I'm saying is Ariel, Jude, and Harper, they have my heart, so I'm going to invest in them. I think about like my son and, and, my, and my daughter. Like I want them to have nice things. 
I don't want them, and I, I don't feel pretentious at all for saying this. Like, I want them to have clothes, but I want them to have nice clothes. I want them to be healthy, so I'm going to invest in, in doctor's visits and prescriptions and, and school and teaching those things and letting them go out and, and, and do fun things. My heart is into them, so I'm going to give my treasure as well. The same with my wife. For 15 years, I've been chasing her, and so my heart is into her, so I'm going to invest my treasure into gifts and to, to providing for her. And that's the principle of this. She is my bride. I am her groom. Here at City Lights Church, we are the bride. He is our groom. And if we will give our heart, we will give our treasure as well. A couple other things. I've shared this before, but another practical thing is this right here is a, a key to my Jeep. It's a fancy little like seatbelt thing. I've shared this with you guys before, but before I bought a Jeep, I didn't care anything about a Jeep. But the day that I bought a Jeep, I started caring about everything about it. I wanted to know what was the, how much PSI goes in the tires. I want to know what kind of oil it takes. I want to know how often I need to get it changed. I want to know what are common problems because now I'm invested in it. My heart's in it because I'm invested in it. If something goes wrong, I get a little frustrated because I got a lot of money tied up into it. So that's a practical example. However, you got here this morning, I guarantee you if I looked at your bank account, there's some, you, you have some kind of treasure invested in that car. And because your treasure's there, your heart's there. If it messes up, I don't know anybody that's like, well, my car blew up today. I'll just, uh, I guess I'll just walk wherever I go. So I'm invested into my vehicle. If you'll hand me that bag, please. This is my bride right here. Thank you, love. Everybody give Ariel a round of applause this morning for being, for putting up with me. So this is my gym bag. About a year ago, Ariel and I, we made a really conscious effort to say, hey, all right, we're going to start investing into our health. We're going to start investing into our health. We're going to start taking it serious because, unfortunately, though I thought this in my 20s, as you get in your 30s, you actually don't get younger. You just keep getting older. And so that was kind of a rude awakening. But my heart is this. Ariel and I, we made this commitment to, hey, we're going to get healthy. We're going to get well. We're going to work out. We're going to eat better. And so because of that, I've got an investment. Like, I don't know if any, anybody work out in here. Anybody go to the gym? A couple of you. Some of you are like, eh, no. Well, let me show you something. This is called pre-workout right here. This is equivalent to the Holy Spirit, okay, <laughs> when you go to the gym. It's natural. It's not like some kind of, you know, drug performance enhancing supplement. Basically, there's a lot of things in here. This is called Mr. Hyde. This has got basically this. I know this is going to sound crazy to some of y'all, but there is the caffeine matrix is 420 grams, 420 grams. So basically, it's like it's like basically drinking, a, getting jacked up on a bunch of Mountain Dew and then going to the gym and working out. Okay, so it's not like it's not you know I'm not going to fail any drug tests or anything like that. But, then, you know, just when you begin to invest in something, when you give your heart to something, you begin to invest into some supplements. You know, got a little, little protein here for a little snack. Little, uh, I'm in this season right now where, like, so I've lost some weight. What? Hang on. I'm not even finished yet. Hang on. I've lost some weight, cut some body fat percentage, so now I want to start gaining back uh, that muscle. So this is called, uh, it's a high-calorie mass gainer. This is, uh, it's kind of gross, to be honest with you. It tastes okay, but like it's, listen, how you're supposed to drink this is 1,300 calories in one shake. Can you imagine that? But listen, as Cody, our expansion director, said, hey, if you want to get big, 
you got to eat big. But what I'm saying is these are things I'm invested in. You know, got a, a couple pair of Under Armour shoes in here, got some other supplements. My point is this. My heart is committed to getting healthy and staying fit and getting in better shape. And so because my heart's committed in that, I'm going to make an investment into some supplements, into the lifestyle, into what I need because my heart is there. And it's the exact same principle when it comes to the local church. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's the exact same principle about how I invest into my wife and my kids, how I invest into my Jeep and make sure that it's taken care of because my heart's there, my treasure will be. And so here's what I want to do just for the remainder of our time. There's this incredible set of scripture in the New Testament. Here's the thing. I'm not going to, listen, we're not taking up another offering. This isn't like we're going to guilt you and we're going to you know, pass it back out again. I want, to, I want to show you the heart of a giver. We believe at City Lights it's your time, it's your talent, it's your treasure. There's a guy named Paul in the New Testament. He's writing to a church in Corinth. It's where we get 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And I don't want to confuse you. He's writing to them, but he's writing about a, a couple of churches in an area called Macedonia. If you're familiar with modern-day Greece, imagine it's just the northern area is what Paul's referencing where these churches would have been. And I want you to hear what he says in here because, man, it's so practical. It's so real. And I know that a lot of times when it comes to giving in churches, if you're watching online, there's like this idea of like guilt, manipulation. You know, there's why should I give? Do I even need to give? Is that just an Old Testament thing? Does it matter? Does God love me if I do? Does God love me if I give more? If I give less? You know, where are we at on that? And I just want you to hear the truth about what it means to be a heart of a giver. And I'm going to challenge you. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, but he's talking about the church in Macedonia. Listen to this. He says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness, let me hear just for a moment, has done through the churches in Macedonia. So what we're seeing here is immediately Paul saying, let me tell you about the goodness of God and what he's done. And I'm, I'm even going to, I want you to respond on this. It says that what God has done in his kindness through the churches in Macedonia, how does God move on this earth? How does God's will get accomplished? What's one way? Through people, yeah. He does it through his people. We, we talk about, hey, listen, God will do some things, absolutely, but you better be ready to play your part. If you want God to move, but you should ask yourself, am I moving? Am I doing my part? He says, I want you to hear uh, what God in his kindness has done through these churches, verse 2. He says, they are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. He means financially. They are very poor. Listen, but... They are also filled with abundant joy. What I love about this, what I see about this church, what I hope would be true about ours, is that their joy was not circumstantial. They didn't have joy because things were going good. They had joy in the midst of all circumstances. It didn't matter if things were good or bad. Their joy was in it, not because of it. They are filled with abundant joy, listen, which has overflowed in rich generosity. So right here, this picture is being painted. Paul clearly says this church is very poor. But because they're filled with joy, it's overflowed in rich generosity. That's hard to even say in one sentence and make sense, that people are poor, but they're rich at the same time. And here's what I hope you begin to see, that Paul is casting an idea here. He's sharing a truth about giving that's more than maybe what our culture thinks it is. This church is poor, but they have the joy of the Lord, and it's overflowed into rich generosity. Verse 3, he says, For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, 
but far more. Let me hear too, please. And they did it out of their own free will. So here, let me tell you what's happening, just so you understand. Paul, this guy writing, is a church planner. He would go around, plant churches, establish leadership. He would move to another city and plant another one. And what he would do is he saw a need. He would often go back to these churches that gave him and say, he's, gonna, he's fixing to tell us in a moment, there's a work happening in Jerusalem. We need to take up this offering so that we can go there and invest in these people and make a difference. But I love what he's saying, that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. So let me just ask you this question that's just, it's just practical, I think, because a lot of times when people think about giving, you think about an amount. Like if I'm going to give to the church, then I have to give a certain amount, right? And if I can't give a lot, then I won't give anything at all. And then I feel guilty about not giving. But you must remember, Paul's already said this church is very, very poor. So he's painting a greater picture. There's more depth to giving than how much we give. And listen, I know this. I know these are, these are tough messages to hear, but I know somebody feels this way because I feel like this. Sometimes you don't give because you feel like your gift won't make a difference because it's not an X amount. And I want to just remind you, that's religious and legalism. That's religion. If you're worried about what God bless an amount, then you're missing the attitude of why you give. And they did it out of their own free will. Verse 4. As a pastor, I must confess, this is a crazy verse for me to see. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing. I just have to be honest, out of all my years of ministry, Kevin, I've never had somebody call me on a Thursday and be like, Pastor Peyton, please, oh, please let me come down to your church and bless you with this huge gift. They begged us again and again. Why? Because their heart was a giver. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. And what Paul is painting this picture here is that there was this church that rallied together. They believed in the vision that Paul had casted, and he believed in the need to go plant other churches. He believed, they believed in the need to go back to Jerusalem. And so they begged, hey, we want to be involved in this. We want to give. We want to make a difference of eternal significance. It was, they shared, and it was a privilege. Verse 5. They even did more than we had hoped for. For their first action, this is it right here. This is it. Don't miss this. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us. So what Paul is saying is this. This church, they gave their heart to following Jesus. And as a result, because they gave their heart, they gave their treasure. When Paul says they gave their, their, um, themselves to the Lord and to us, what he's saying is they gave their heart to following him. And they also, when it says to us, basically it's just this idea of just this pastoral authority. This group of people believed in their leadership, and so they committed themselves to following Jesus and submitting to their pastoral authority. And this right here is the heart of a giver. Don't miss this. It's not about an amount. It's not, even, it's not about anything other than that than giving your heart to God because he first loved us. This is the most easy way to say it, that God so loved the world that he gave. The heart of God is a giver, and the heart of his people should be givers as well with our time, our talent, and our treasure. And so perhaps this church, the reason they were able to invest their treasure is this. It's not perhaps. Oh, it's certain. They gave themselves to the Lord. Verse 6. Paul says, so we have urged Titus, this is another pastor that's with them, who encouraged your giving in the first place to return to you and encourage you to finish this. Listen, it's a ministry of giving. Remember, they're taking up this offering for the church in Jerusalem. They've sent Titus back to collect this offering. 
It's a ministry to give. Verse 7. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, amen, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also. And listen, there's this reoccurring theme here. I don't know if you're picking up on it, but every time that giving is mentioned, you hear the word generosity or you hear grace. In this gracious act of giving, verse 8 says, I am not commanding you. Now, what Paul is fixing to do is he's saying, hey, what I'm fixing to say, I'm not commanding you, but I am encouraging. I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it, let me hear, with the eagerness of the other churches. So uh, he's talking about the churches in Macedonia when he says the eagerness of other churches, but he's writing to the church of Corinth. And so did you know one way that we can determine how well we love is how well we give? I'm testing how genuine your love is. Suppose that I told my wife, I love you. I love you. I love you. But never invested into her. How long do you think that would last, women? Just be honest. I mean, it just wouldn't because there has, there has to be truth and, and, and deed. And it's, listen, it's not that I buy gifts for my wife to show her that I, or excuse me, it's not that I buy gifts for my wife to prove my love, but it does show my love, right? It's the thoughtfulness. Let me tell you the type of wife that I have. I can't tell you everything. Because that's my business, not yours. But I will tell you one thing is, and I genuinely mean this, my wife is the type of woman where the gift financially can cost very little, but the thought behind it will win her over. And that's the same heart that our Father has. We come to Him and it's like, if it's not this extravagant gift, if I can't sing on stage, then what should I, why should I greet people and make them feel welcome? If I can't give this abundance amount of money, then why should I give it all? And you're missing it. You're making it about legalism. You're making it about religion. And you're missing the heart of a giver. And Paul is saying here, listen, I'm not saying... Paul's just straight up telling them. He's their pastor and he's saying, I'm testing how genuine your love is. And what he's saying is there are churches that give very generously and don't, don't, don't attach the word generously to an amount. There are some churches that give very generously, and there's some that give eager, and there's some that are reluctant. And so one way that we determine how well we love is by how well we give. Verse 9, he says this. Here it is again, the same reoccurring words. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich. He was rich because he was in eternity with the Father. He had no need for any kind of provision. And though he was yet rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor by humbling himself to a man and coming down to earth so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. Verse 10, here is my advice, Paul says. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give. Do you hear the heart of a giver? The heart of a giver wants to give their time. They want to give their talent. They want to give their treasure. You wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Verse 11, now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. And here's something I think needs to be heard very clearly. Paul says this, give in proportion to what you have. 
Well, what you have is about perspective, right? Because this church, remember, they were very poor, but they gave like they were rich. So perspective is brought into the picture now. So given proportion to what you have, verse 12, and listen to this. Here's the heart of a giver. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And I can't help but wonder because I, I really know that sometimes like when we pass an offering around or when it comes to giving, I just wonder if you guys often feel guilty by the gift you're giving because you're, not, it's, you're making about an amount. And I've said this, and I don't want to confuse you because I think it's really important, and I don't, I'm not trying to act like there's extra blessings on this, but I want to just be real with you this morning. Somebody over here can give a check for $1,000, and if you would this morning, that'd be great. And somebody over here can give $5. Now, I think, listen, let's just be honest. I think we had Tennessee in America. One, let's just, I'm not trying to remove Jesus from the equation, but, equation, but our culture is, oh, the person with $1,000 must be really rich. And oh, the person that only gives $5, oh, they must be very poor. But how many of you know, maybe you've experienced, and I've done this, this person that gives that much, man, they can give very reluctantly. It's almost like it pains them to drop it in the mouth. Hurts them to drop it. And this person over here, they give eagerly. They've given out of proportion of what they had. And I assure you, here sits the greater blessing for them. Because whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. God, I get to give. I get to serve you. I get to give my time. I get to give my talent. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. And so here's two things I want to share with you. And I'm going to teach a little principle that I think is going to be beneficial for all of us. So the first thing here at City Lights that we genuinely believe is that generosity starts in your heart, not your wallet. If you're, don't confuse the two. Your generosity doesn't start when you open your wallet or your checkbook. It starts right here in your heart. It starts here in my heart. Because the heart of a giver gives my time, my talent, my treasure. Listen, you are making it about religion and legalism if you identify it with this. When you understand that generosity starts here, you've experienced the love of God. The second thing I would tell you is this, that giving is more about the attitude than the amount. Giving is more about the attitude than the amount. The attitude in which I give far surpasses the amount I give. But here's what's important is Paul says this, you must give in proportion to what you have. So this is not an out to be like, I'm just going to, you know, give what I can when I can. There's some intentionality behind this. And so one of the things I, I want to challenge you all with this morning is this. Now listen, you can ask anybody on our staff. When it comes to whiteboard, I am, a, I am, a, I am the greatest artist at writing on whiteboard. So I will warn you, it may be hard to understand what I'm reading back there. I'm not a doctor, but I write like one. It's more about the attitude than the amount. One of the things that I want to challenge our church with, and this is where it's a call to action, is we're going to kick off something today start called a 90-day generosity challenge. And the whole idea behind this generosity challenge is it's really about taking your faith next level. Leslie said this uh, during the time of offering, and I hope that people paid attention because it's, the, it's very true. She said for her it's a trust thing, or there's been times in the past where it's been a trust thing. And so the idea behind this 90-day generosity challenge is this. For the next 90 days, um, we want to challenge people to step into an act of being a heart of giver. And here's what this consists of. You can give for the first time. You can uh, say, hey, you know what, Pastor? I've been really feeling like I need to begin giving regularly. So you're going to give regularly. Or 
there's people that, you know, hey, I want to increase my giving. There's all kinds of options on there. You can go to this website, uh, our website, to find it, or you can text that number, text 90 day to that. But here's where the promise comes from. In Malachi 3.10, the only time in Scripture God says to test him, when it comes to your giving, to test him and see if he won't pour out the floodgate of blessing. So because we believe the Word of God to be true, this is what's going to happen. For those of you who sign up, and I'm challenging you to sign up. For those of you who have been on the fence and you're like, hey, I need to get serious. This is my next step. It's next. It's, it's me increasing my faith. It's me giving my heart to city lots. Malachi 3.10 says that if we'll be faithful, obedient, give, that God will bless us by pouring out a floodgate of uh, blessings on us. So at City Lots, because we believe the Word of God, here's what we'll do. You can sign up. You can mark 90 days on the back of your connection card. You can go online. You can test that. We'll follow up with you. At the end of 90 days, whatever giving path you choose, if you come to us and say, you know what? God did not keep his word. I promise you this. We'll give you every single penny back. We'll give you every single penny that you gave. If God doesn't keep his promise over your life and your finances, we'll give every penny back. Here's the deal, though. You can't be tithing to your mammals church and come to us and be like, hey, I didn't work out. I need my money back, preacher. You've got to make the investment here. You've got to make the investment here. But we, will, we believe that God's word is true. And we'll give every single penny back. And let me tell you why this is important. There's practical and there's spiritual. We have a big vision at City Lots. We want to plant more churches. We talked about on Vision Sunday that one of our uh, visions for this year is we want to begin planting our, our next church. And listen, that's exactly what Paul was saying there to that church. Hey, listen, there's a good work going on in Jerusalem. We believe internally that we've identified an area that needs a City Lots campus. And so we're not doing anything that they didn't do 2,000 years ago. And really what I'm trying to say is this, stress is we're doing what we feel like is biblical. Hey, we've identified a work. Will you share with us in the privilege of giving? We want you to take this 90-day generosity challenge because we want to increase our faith. We want to increase our opportunity to impact the world. And I shared this on Vision Sunday. And it's important that you know this that you're reminded. And I don't want to make this a ploy, and I just want my heart to be genuine, but I want to just be really practical with you. I shared a number with you that if our giving increased by $10 per person, that means every person that calls this place home just increased by $10, our offering would increase by $50,000 this year. The other statistic I showed was if people increased their giving by $20, it would go up to $100,000 this year. That would increase our giving. So what I'm saying is this. It's about the attitude. You don't need to give $100,000. You just need to give in proportion to what you have. But here's where I want to help you with something. Y'all ready for me to write? Can y'all see back there? You ain't going to be able to see it anyway. I'll tell you about it. Cumulate. I want to show you two, two patterns that I think Americans go through. One particular that Americans go through. One that I want to show you what Christians should go through when it comes to our finances, okay? And I can teach this first one because I've done it. One of the things I think we're really good at when it comes to typical American and even a lot of Christians is what we do is we work to accumulate. You work 30 hours a week, 40 hours, 50, 60, whatever it is, whatever you do. If you're a firefighter, if you're a teacher, if you're a cashier, if you work for the FBI, 
A lot of times we work just to accumulate our money, right? That's what we do. And here's the next thing that we do. We go immediately into enjoy. What do we do? We get paid. But I'm going out to eat this weekend. Going to Texas Roadhouse or Chili's. Daddy got a little overtime. I'm going out to eat. We're going shopping. I accumulate. I receive it. Now I immediately enjoy. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to enjoy it because, listen, this is why. It's my money. I've worked hard for it. So I'm going to go out and enjoy myself. I'm not saying you shouldn't enjoy yourself. We like to enjoy ourselves. Matter of fact, we went out to eat twice yesterday, right? We ate like champs in the morning and kings in the evening, and it was good. And I don't feel guilty about it because I ate really good. But here's what we do. This, I'm talking about a cycle, okay? We try to accumulate. We work hard. And the next thing that we do is we want to go out and enjoy it. And here's what happens after that. After we enjoy, we think, oh, I'm an adult. I need to start repaying some of my bills. I need to pay my car. I need to pay my house payment. I need to pay my credit card. You know, I got to somehow, you know, see if I can work out a payment plan with CUB because my lot bill was so much this winter. I'm just kidding. I don't know if y'all do payment <laughs> plans or what, but that was just a joke. So we accumulate. We work really hard. We get our money. We try to enjoy. And then we think, oh, man, I got to be responsible. I got to repay. I got to put gas in my car. I got to, dang, I need to. I need to pay my cell phone bill. I got to pay Comcast or I got to pay, you know, whatever. So there's this cycle of, okay, I've got it all and I'm going to go out and enjoy it because I deserve it and I've earned it and, and now I've got to repay. And here's what happens after that is I think everybody in here at least thinks of this. You think, man, I should, I really need to start saving some money like for emergencies or I want to take a vacation or a, a just-in-case fund, you know, just in case an opportunity comes up. Um, one of the accounts that we try to keep funds in here at City Lots is we call it obstacles, opportunities. So if we face an obstacle, uh, if the microphone dies and we need to buy a new one, that's an obstacle, so we pull money from there. Or if we have an opportunity to make an investment into something, so we have an obstacle, obstacles, opportunity. But I think we go, so we accumulate, we enjoy, we repay, and when it gets to save, because we've done these things, we're like, and I'm not really good at saving. I'll save the next paycheck. I'll, I'll, get it, I'll get it the next time. And we find it almost impossible to begin saving anything. I'm talking anything at all, right? But our tensions are good. We really want to save. We want to be good stewards, and we want to you know, prepare for our kids, and we will want to buy a house, and we want to remodel the kitchen, and we want to do these things. And here's what happens after this. It, I'm talking if you're a Christian, okay? If you're in here, or you're watching online, you're like, no, somebody tricked me into coming, or I thought this was you know, a game network online, then you're excluded. But if you're a Christian, I'm talking to you. Then what happens is this. I should have had somebody do this for me. Then, at some point, I know all Christians do, you think about, man, I should really give to the church. I should give. But you know what happens? This right here, next slide, though even the next one after this. This is called the cycle of poverty. It's the cycle of poverty because here's what happens. When you work really, really hard to accumulate, you go right out and enjoy. You, when, once you get to about right here, about right here, after repay, these two kind of just become to the wayside. Now you'll acknowledge it and you'll think, man, I need to be saving. I need to be mature. I need to be responsible. I want to save. 
And I know this, I know for a lot of you, because I've had the conversations, you think, man, I really want to save. And there are many of you who have said this, I really want to give, Pastor, but I just can't. Or you made comments like, I can't afford to give. And there's two things going on. My first initial thought is, I had a pastor tell me one time that you can't afford not to give. Okay? And the second thing is this. I genuinely believe you that you can't afford to give because you've enjoyed it so much and you repaid so much that you literally have nothing left. I get it. I get it. This is called the cycle of poverty. I've lived in this. I've walked in this. I assure you, if all you do is work hard to accumulate, you go right out and enjoy, you try to repay, you might, maybe, maybe, depending on how much money you make, can get a little bit right here, but I guarantee you by the time you get to this right here, you'll feel like there's nothing left, and here's what will happen. You'll come in here knowing that you want to give, but feeling like you can't, and every time that bucket's passed around or we talk about giving, you feel squirmy in your seat because you feel convicted. I know this. You shouldn't feel guilty because we don't make people feel guilty about not giving here. We don't make people feel really good about giving either because it's just about the heart of a giver. But I know it to be true because you've shared it with me. This is the cycle of poverty. And if you live in this and you walk in this, you'll never get out of it. It's a vicious cycle because here's what happens. You get right here and there's nothing you can do about it. You know what you do? You work for the man until you can get right back here, get on payday, and the cycle starts over and over and over and over and over. But here's what I want to challenge you with. If you just replaced one word, don't change it. If you replace one word on this and change your thought, you would walk in the promises of Malachi 3.10 that God would pour out the floodgates on you. Stand by. Y'all standing by? Hang on. This father's going to change some people today, and you'll sometimes change takes time. Especially if you're racing a weight, erasing a whiteboard, and you didn't think for somebody has brass to bring you an eraser. I'm learning. That's the cycle of poverty. When you accumulate, you go right to enjoy, you try to repay, you save, you give. But listen, telling you it's so simple. Leave me there, Bo. Instead of accumulate, okay? If you'll just work and what you receive, you decide, I'm going to dedicate. Instead of working to accumulate, you're working to dedicate. Here's what happens then. When you get on this, all you got to do is, it's just, a, it's just, listen, how many of you know there's power in your mind? If I think it, I can do it. If I feel a certain way, I can be that way. If I dedicate what the Father's given me, so this is, listen, this is it. How many of you know, listen, just for simple math, when we think about giving, we think about a tithe. We think about 10%. If God's asking for that, when he says, I want your, your first and your best, you don't have to be good at math to understand this. He's not asking for the most. He's asking for your first and your best. So then if we dedicate and we flip the cycle and we go right to, okay, God, because I've dedicated everything you've given me, I'm going to give first. I'm going to give in proportion to what I have. I'm going to give eagerly. I'm going to give with a, a cheerful heart. And I know it's more about my attitude than my amount. Then, then here's what you'll see is, I, so I dedicate. I get out of that cycle of poverty. I'm going to give my best 
and my first to the Father. I'm not giving the most, I'm giving my best. Then what happens is, if you can go down here, you can say, okay, I'm going to save something. I'm going to save something. Let me tell you what Errol and my wife and I have just recently done. We just recently switched bank accounts for no particular, well, there's particular reasons. I don't know why, but one of the things that we did there, and this is really, really cool because it's already paying off really quickly, is to save money. We opened this third account to where basically it's almost, it's, it's the principle of like the change, but just want to share it with you. So with our debit cards, whether we run them as credit or debit, we created a third account that rounds up every single transaction that we make, and it just automatically sticks it into that account. Does that make sense? So it's the change principle, but we never see it. I don't have to put change in the jar. And I promise you, I logged on there and saw already, like, man, that's starting to make a difference. And so what I'm saying is, because we, we want to dedicate the funds we have, we want to get intentional any way we can to begin saving, there's a lot of things you can do, right? There's a lot of things you can do if you'll just get intentional and dedicate. So we want to dedicate what God's given us because it comes from him. According to Deuteronomy, if you're in here, if you're in here and you work, you're smart, you're educated, you're talented, you have a good job, that comes from the Father. And in the New Testament, every good and perfect thing comes from him. So we dedicate what the Father has given us. We give, we save. Then we begin to repay our car payments, our house payment, our credit card payments. Then, lastly, we enjoy. This is what I have left. This is the budget that I'm on. I'm going to do whatever I can with $7.89. <laughs> and then here's what happens, folks. Listen, after you enjoy it, you go back to, I'm going to dedicate. And listen, this is called the cycle of promise. If you will dedicate, if you will give, if you'll begin to save what you can, if you'll begin to repay and enjoy in this way, this is the cycle of promise. And this is the promise of Malachi 3.10, that he'll pour out a floodgate of blessing on you. Now, I don't know about you, but there should be great notice to the only time that the Father challenges us in Scripture to test him is with our heart of giving. And that's really where this, this generosity challenge, this 90-day generosity challenge comes from, is that we want to be people that dedicate. And here's another thing I want to tell you, too. We mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but a lady named Allison Jones in our church is willing and wants to teach a financial peace class. So, like, if and we had some people sign up a couple weeks ago. But if you want to, like, if you need help making a budget, these are just a couple examples. Maybe you have went from two incomes to one income, or maybe you went from one to two, or maybe you've got a lot of debt, or maybe you just have never really been good at finances and you're out on your own, or now you're a single mother now, or you're a recently graduated college student, or you like, you know, I know there are people out here, okay? I know that you're out here and because I talk to you, say, Pastor, I want to do these things, but I don't know how, I can't. Allison would love to spend some time with you, and here's all you got to do on the back of your connection card is just write FP, financial peace, FP. We'll teach you how to just take some, some, uh, some positive steps and learning how to dedicate and learning how to give. I want you to listen. Go ahead and get something going for us. I want to go back to 2 Corinthians 8, 5. I want you to listen to what he said to them. They did even more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. 
So what Paul's saying here is, yes, I came to this, I came to you to get this offering because God started a good work. And the reality is this. If we're going to step into the vision that God has called for us, we have to fund it. This isn't about anybody in here getting rich, okay? This isn't about any, nobody's kingdom getting bitter, bigger other than the Father's. I genuinely mean that. We are very transparent here with our finances. We, we professionally have a CPA that handles all of our stuff on the back end. We have an in-house that does it on the front end. So this is no scheme to like, hey, come help us. You know, I'd love to have like a 2018 F-150 ministry vehicle that's for the church. That'd be great. Company car. We don't do those things here. We genuinely want to invest into God's kingdom. If you've been here for any amount of time, you've heard us talk about shift church. They're a church plant that we planted out in South Knoxville. I want to invest into Pastor Derek and his church. I want to send out the next church planter here. I want to invest into Morgan uh, Bradley, our City Kids director. She shared this morning, she's like, hey, I'm excited about some things. I've got a vision for City Kids. I want to invest into your kids down there. If you have kids down there, that's where we want to allocate. That's where we want to go. And we believe that we have a, a God who's big enough to do it, but here's the thing. He'll do it in His kindness, but through us. But this is the most important thing. I don't want you to leave here today thinking I'm asking you for anything other than for you to give your heart to the Father because I know if you'll give your heart to Him, your treasure will surely, will surely come after that just as God wanted them to. That is the plan that the Father has for every one of us in here this morning is to give our hearts to Him. The whole idea behind this series is that if we'll give our heart to Him, our time will come. We'll begin to mentally and emotionally pray and think about our church. Our talents will follow and the gifts that God has given us, we'll use, him, we'll use them to glorify Him. And lastly, if we give our hearts, we'll give our treasure. And just like Paul had a dream to plant churches and to reach people and to impact the nations and to be missional and to reproduce, so 2,000 years later, this pastor dreams to plant churches, to impact lives. And I believe our God is big enough to do something of biblical proportion here. So I want to challenge you to take that step today to sign up for the 90-day generosity, to give your heart to the Father, to give your time, talent, and treasure to His bride here. And let's watch something so big happen, so big, that surely we'll have to say only God could do that. Thank you so much for listening. For more information on how you can give your time, talent, and treasure, visit us on the web at citylightsac.org.